And just as I was about to grab my Bible and come up to the front, on my other side, Mackenzie yells out. So Mackenzie said in my ear, don't yell. <laughs> Apparently I yelled. The whole point of a microphone, you don't have to yell. So <clears throat> she's giving me a little sign if I start yelling. It's Sunday, isn't it good? It's Easter Sunday. The grave is empty. The pain and horrific death of Friday is put into perspective when we consider that Jesus has conquered the grave, that death is powerless. Death has no sting. And that's much easier said than to live out. I think especially as you get a bit older. I came across something that I didn't want to put up on the screen because it it might give you a little bit of the sting. Uh, a mathematician has put together a, um, I don't want to say a death clock, but this this clock which is, is married up sort of like days lived according to seconds ticked away on a clock and it starts at 7am when you're born and it goes through till midnight, as in that's when you'll pass away and it's based on averages. So uh, an 11-year-old like Ava is sitting at about 8.30 in the morning. Surprisingly, I'm nearly at dinner time. I thought I'd be more in just after lunch, uh, but I'm nearly at dinner time. Um, you start hitting about 70 and, and it's got you at about 11 o'clock at night. So you, you notice why I didn't want to put it up. I didn't want anyone to get too concerned um, you're not, you, you, you can, it's nearly midnight, <laughs> it's getting close. <clears throat> Death is inevitable. The, the resurrection and what Easter Sunday is all about is, is foundational to the, to the, is a, a cornerstone of Christian doctrine. It is. It's mentioned about 104 times in the New Testament. And the reality is, if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, if there is no resurrection, then this is quite meaningless, actually. Christianity is quite meaningless. When the apostles needed to replace Judas and, and they looked to seek to, to appoint someone else, one of the key criteria was finding someone who was witness to the resurrection of Jesus. We looked at it recently when Peter gave his, his sermon uh, at Pentecost. And in the, at the centre of that sermon was, you, you wicked men, you nailed Jesus to the cross, but God raised him from the dead. And when the Jews caught Paul in the temple and they brought him before King Agrippa in Acts 26, it says that Paul preached to them about the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection is everything to Christianity. The, the crucifixion, what happened on Friday, loses its meaning and power if there is no resurrection. We would just be talking about the, the, the death of a martyr or a nobleman. But with the resurrection, the death becomes a, a, a redeeming act where there is forgiveness of sin, 
where there is grace and mercy. When we come to this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, we note that Paul is writing to them that about their theology around resurrection. And while they would have had an understanding of the resurrection of Jesus, there was a, a, a misunderstanding of the resurrection of the body, of what is to come. And you see, Paul insists with them, if you deny the resurrection of the body, then you actually deny the resurrection of Jesus. You can't have one without the other. And such a belief is to deny the, the power of the Christian message and the truth. If I can bring up that PowerPoint, please, Damo. This morning I wanted to look at, you might have noticed it, but as Paul uh, approaches this misunderstanding of the resurrection to this church, he, he uses some negative language. And we'll see that in a moment. But, but as we, as we look at that, I sort of want to look at what, well, what is Paul actually saying? Because his, he, the negatives that he talks about, he emphasizes the positive in verse 20 when he sort of switches, turns things all around and says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You see, if Christ has, was not raised from the dead, can you go to the next slide, mate? I can't get it up on here. There we go. Our preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. We are found to be false witnesses about God. You are still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. We are to be pitied more than all men. These are the things that Paul is saying. And this morning as we look at these points that Paul's saying, he's actually saying that Christ has indeed been raised. So the things that I'm telling you, it's actually the opposite. And so Paul lays out this sort of pattern of the experience of one who comes to Christ in faith. And the first one, and I just changed the order a little bit from what's in the passage. But the first one from verse 17, it says, we are forgiven of our sins. If Christ wasn't raised, then we are still in our sins. But we can say because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are forgiven of our sins. And, and I think it's the very basic need of the human heart. You know, because if God holds our sins against us, if God still holds the sin against us and there is no forgiveness, then there is no place for peace with God. There's no place to be in a relationship with God. There's no, there's no place to experience the, the blessings that God pours out into our lives. Everything hangs on forgiveness. So how is the resurrection connected to forgiveness? Because we've, we've just celebrated as we do each week and remembered the death 
of our Lord Jesus Christ through the bread and the cup which he instituted. And so it's often thought, well, it's it's the death that we're forgiven because of the body and the blood, his death on the Friday. It's true. But there's a connection with the resurrection in Romans 4.25. It says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Justification is being brought from the guilty party to the forgiven party. And we are made right, we are brought from guilty to forgiven through faith. Romans 3, Romans 5, Hebrews 11, there's plenty of of verses in scripture that talks about being justified by faith. Not just faith that Jesus died for our sins, but that he was raised to life and death has no power over Jesus. And because of that, it has no sting for us. No matter where we are on the clock, death has no sting. Because those who belong to him, to die is to be in the very presence of our creator. And I'll touch on that a little bit later in a few minutes. In verse 14, Paul says our faith, if there is no resurrection, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Your faith is useless. But because of the resurrection, we can say our faith is well-founded. That Jesus is something is someone we can absolutely trust. I believe that every person we are created to be in relationship, and in those relationships we long for someone to trust, someone we we can rely on, someone we can be honest with and vulnerable with someone who will support and love and care for us. We were made for relationship. We were made to trust one another. And God put man and woman in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning in relationship. And Paul's point is that our faith is is useless if it's if it's founded in someone who is dead. Hmm. Our faith is useless if Jesus is not alive. But our faith is well founded because he is risen. He has power over death. And that power is made available to you and me in the life that we live. In every aspect, we can count on Jesus because he's trustworthy. We can count on Jesus because he has the power to, to, to bring joy into our life, to bring peace into our life, to help us endure. Jesus will never let us down because he is alive. 
Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. The scripture says we are not only come and believe by faith and are saved by faith, but we are to live, live by faith. Allowing Jesus control in our life, in every thought and decision. Thirdly, we preach the truth. If Jesus was not resurrected, then we are false witnesses. The apostles were false teachers. But we preach the truth. Jesus is alive. The resurrection took place. What we live by, what we, what we preach from here is the truth. Uh, we, we don't get many truths, things that are absolute truth. Something that you can rely on day by day is the absolute truth. It's usually said, uh, is it death and taxes and Collingwood winning? And so, neither of those, no, well, definitely not calling a winning is not the truth, but even death and taxes, actually, there's some places where you don't have to pay tax. Um, the um, Cayman Islands, I think, is that one? I think that's a place. A few people nodding, got their billions sorted out, great, you got your money sorted out in the Caymans. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a deep need in the human soul to know the truth. I think every person has a need in their soul to know truth. It doesn't necessarily always get to know the truth. We find, we find many ways to fill that hole with lies. And we convince ourselves this is the truth. This is the truth. And I'm going to live this way. This is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And his resurrection from the dead backs his claims of who he is. God who came in flesh. And he is the truth. Every word that he spoke, we can rely on as the truth. People will always debate the Bible isn't true or that part's true, that part's not true. But I can confidently believe, as you can this morning, that because of the resurrection, we can come to the truth who is Jesus and declare what the Bible says, declare what God says about morality, uh, about the future events, about uh, everyday life, practical living, how we love and treat one another. How we are forgiven. How do we experience salvation? All of these things we can trust as absolute truth because the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are not false witnesses. We are found in truth.
The fourth one mentioned, if Jesus is dead, then it would be useless talking about forgiveness, wouldn't it? It'd be useless talking about salvation or to speak about eternity with God in heaven if Jesus is dead. Preaching would be useless. But because of the resurrection, we have a reason and a purpose to preach the truth. And we preach with a purpose. Jesus has commissioned us to make disciples. Tell people about what you've experienced. Tell people about my love for them, that there is a way to be made right with God. And teach them. Teach one another the truth. Paul says in the very beginning of Romans, through the spirit of holiness, Jesus, through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And he goes on to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes in it. Because in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. See, the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the good news is it, it is good because Jesus is alive, because the resurrection took place. The good news is powerful because it is the way we are made right with God. Believing that Jesus died for our sins, believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And our lives can be changed, our lives can be transformed. That we can find joy in the most difficult circumstances. That there can be a peace in our hearts when there is chaos all around us. Galatians 5 speaks to the, 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 uh, the fruit of the spirit, the, the character that is to be true in our life. And it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit of God, that it would be true of our lives, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're, they're not things for you to aim at being good at, for you to achieve, but evidence in your life as you surrender to God. Lord, today take control of my mind. Take control of my actions. I, I, I want to be in tune with the way you want me to live and treat people and care for people and speak to people and think about others. Convict me when I'm starting to get greedy or arrogant and um, and uncaring, and I'm thinking the wrong thing about someone, and I'm talking to someone the wrong way. And when we surrender ourselves, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident. And because of that, we are to be envied not pitied. Because of the resurrection... I get excited sometimes. You have to tell me next time, don't get excited and throw the remote, Dad. <coughs> not to be pitied, 
but to be envied. Not, not in a way that people are, are jealous. Not that sort of envy. But, but that there is a notable difference in the lives of those who belong to Jesus. And it is something that will attract others to Christ. If Jesus is not raised, then living for him and, and doing what, what we're told in scripture, well, that's just delusional. What a waste of time. I think people anyway are telling us that this is a useless waste of time. <laughs> there are still people who um, will have pity on us and think that we are wasting our time. And in fact, I, um, just in recent weeks, I've had a bit of advice from some uh, some people on social media and, and, and actually some through our, our mail here at the church um, just letting me know that they think Christianity is a waste of time and uh, and being a pastor here and being in my role here is a, is a waste of time. But the resurrection of Jesus means he is alive and our obedience, our love and the, the life we live in sacrifice to him should be something that attracts people to fill that need in their life. I think every one of us desire a life that counts for something. Uh, it's easy to get down when we don't feel like life is producing much fruit, that we're not really finding much purpose or seeing much evidence of, uh, of, of a life being worth something. I think we all desire to have a a life that is about usefulness and significance. And at the end of this chapter, Paul writes, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labour for the Lord is not in vain. Not in vain. We should never come to the end of our lives and think we've wasted it. Jesus has risen. And everything we do for our Lord by his strength and by his power and for his glory is done for eternity. And it is significant. And it is valuable. And it's not done in vain. And thanks for your patience, our last point, those who have fallen in sleep are alive. We don't come to an empty end after a, a purposeful and valuable life. And Paul says in verse 18, because Christ is raised, those who have fallen asleep in him aren't lost. Those who have died in faith, they have not just vanished and disappeared forever. They will live forever. They will enter into the presence of their creator for eternity. The, the word sleep is, refers to the physical body, not the, not the soul. And there is a promise constantly that although the physical body will be in the ground or in an urn or wherever it might be, 
Our soul is instantly with the Lord for those who belong to him. 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, and prefer to be away from the body and present with the Lord. Philippians 1.20 says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what should I choose? I do not know, I'm torn. I desire to depart and be with the Lord, which is better by far. And so for our physical bodies, there will be a resurrection at the return of Christ and our bodies united with our soul and be made new. And he goes on to say in verse 42 and 44, our new resurrected bodies will be imperishable, glorious, powerful and spiritual. Just a minor improvement, Betty, on what we've got right now. Two Corinthians four fourteen says, "We know that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in His presence." And I'll just read these four verses from fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, five verses. Sorry, from one Thessalonians four. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage one another with these words. There's no empty end. There's no big black hole, lost cause. When our physical body stops, our soul is with our Lord. And when he returns, there will be a resurrection of the physical and there will be a new body, powerful and spiritual and glorious that will worship our God forever and ever. The greatest news in all the world is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That there is a way to be made right with your creator. Don't earn it, can't pay for it, can't work for it, just got to believe by faith. And it, all of that hinges on the fact that on the Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. The grave is empty Death is defeated. Jesus is alive. Father, we come to your word and and it is a privilege to open it and through the power of your spirit to start to understand some of it. 
we, we are grateful that there is a way to be made right with you. And we thank you and recognise Jesus as the way. Challenge our hearts if we've never made that decision to believe by faith. Convict and move in us, Spirit, as we go into this week to surrender our lives to you. That we would be living out the fruit of the Spirit, the character of our God. Oh, the people would want and desire that for their life. May today we be going away from here, uh, keep us safe as we travel, we ask, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.